DIY stuff. There's some DIY stuff. Everyone has their own skill level that I will get involved in. The way I approach a DIY project on my home is if I mess it up, is this going to be a financial mistake? There are some deals you're like, ah, if I mess it up, it's no big deal, right? If I mess this thing up, like you got a broken dishwasher and it's just not working and you think, well, I can't do any more harm than's already been done. I'll see if I can fix it myself. Uh, but if it's a sort of particularly construction, I, well, I've never really done drywall, but I bet I can take out the, and, and then you're in over your head and it's like, oh man, this is, I wish I had never started this. If, if, if ever there's a scenario that leads to me thinking it's potential, potentially a scenario where I would go, I wish I hadn't started this, then I don't DIY it. I mention this because with garage experts, that is the sort of thing that a lot of people try to DIY because, one, you can go online and see that people have done their own. Also, because you can buy a lower quality product in the big box stores to do it yourself. And aside from the product itself, when it comes to epoxy flooring in your garage or your patio or your business, being of a lower quality, the preparation is vastly different. Uh, somebody that I know who is a perfectionist when it comes to these things at one point attempted to do their own and they said there was some sort of like a, an acid etching deal or whatever that was used as prep. That is nowhere near the quality that you get with Garage Experts where they have the machinery that grinds it down, your floor down, grinds it down. Uh, and of course, any pockmarks or cracks they fill as well. I'm just telling you, this is not a DIY project if you want it done anywhere remotely close to as well as it can be done with Garage Experts and of course, custom storage as well. Garage Experts, you can find them under Nick's endorsements, ksgf.com. It's an awful story and it involves Israel, but not in the context of what Israel has been going through the last couple of weeks. There was a poster child, if you will, that was at the height of COVID, utilized almost as a spokesperson by the, the Israelis when it came to vaccines. And uh, this was someone that was utilized in order to sort of uh, to, to, to soften fears or diminish fears that some parents had about the unknowns with the vaccines and kids. And so uh, this was the, the child uh, that was used in the promotions of the safety for kids and vaccines. Well, according to reports, uh, that eight-year-old Israeli child died following cardiac arrest. The boy reportedly slipped under the water after his heart suddenly stopped, causing him to drown. He was rushed to uh, Hadasha Hospital in Mount Scopus in serious condition, but died a few days later, September 28th, after being kept alive on life support. And, of course, the, the you know truth to the argument that can be made is that, well, there's no proof this had anything to do with the vaccine. You know, 
I just know in my lifetime, never, ever, ever have I seen with such consistency young people, whether they are very healthy high schoolers that are athletes, boys mostly, though some girls, or young kids that are dying of heart attacks. And I know that it has happened, but to the degree of the consistency, yet we still pretend as if you are some sort of conspiratorial nut job if you go, wait a minute, that seems sort of odd. It's, it's just not a sign of an advanced society. Springfield's Talk 1041, latest news update. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. A bench trial will be held today for a man accused of flashing people on the Galloway Trail. 30-year-old Joseph Cowan was charged after police say he exposed himself to three different women on the Galloway Creek Trail in southwest Springfield off of Lone Pine Avenue. According to court documents, Cowan is homeless and has an assault charge from earlier this year, as well as another incident where he was found passed out near a preschool with his pants undone. Cowan could face a possible sentence of up to six months in jail if found guilty. Missouri Governor Mike Parson has received a list of candidates to fill an empty seat on the state's Supreme Court. Justice Patricia Breckinridge retired this month. The Appellate Judicial Commission nominated judges Michael Gardner, Ginger Gooch, and John Turbitsky. Gooch is an appeals court judge in Springfield, and the other two are from St. Louis. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. First alert forecast sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work. Uh, Color 10, Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, 50% chance of rain throughout the day, otherwise mostly cloudy, a high near 76, scattered showers, low around 64 tonight, 90% chance of showers tomorrow, high of 72, and a 60% chance of showers Friday morning, then partly sunny, a high near 77. Uh, Sarah, you know what today is? It's lunch bunch. It's lunch bunch day Wednesday, and every so often we've got Chef Tiny in with us. Just uh, you know, you guys keep it fresh. One of the great things about Retro Metro is you all custom design your menu. And many people, they think, well, I mean, doesn't every restaurant pick their menu? But a lot of you know, most restaurants there are your standard dishes, if you will. But I love Retro Metro because even if it's something that would be considered standard, there's a personalized, you know. Uh, uh, aspect to it but this is you know this is what you all do you've got a chef you develop these menus and it always makes it very fun and exciting when you have a new menu <laughs> right right i i love i just i love that and it's why i i saw a posting and i love this it was somebody i i don't think that i don't know if they were a listener of the station or not but she i think lived in rogersville but posted about you all and saying i you know i don't normally post these sorts of things but and just raving about how great the experience and the food and the staff, everything at Retro Metro. And she listed numerous occasions she had been there and posted pictures with her husband or her uh, boyfriend uh, there at the restaurant. And I just love seeing that. I think that's fantastic. Well, we do too. That's for sure. I mean, we've, uh, we try to strive to achieve hospitality, you know, not just good service and good food, but hospitality as well. And I think that that comes along with the seasonal menus. Um, people like the change. Uh, obviously, there's some dishes that we can't take off, or you know, there'll be pitchforks and torches yes. outside. Yes. But um, like you know, the stroganoff can never come off the lunch mm, menu, and flash fried spinach can never leave. That's good. good. Um, but you know, we are retro metro, so we want to keep a lot of those classics going. But my wife and I do put new spins on things, as well as our other chefs. We like to have their input. Um, you know, they are younger; they know what's a little bit uh, more trendy. So we try to put that in okay. their court. And that way we have some things on our menu that are exciting. Like uh, fall menu, 
We've got uh, at lunchtime for lunch, just in time for lunch bunch. Mm. We have uh, the big trouble from Little Hana, which is basically a Korean fried chicken breast. Uh, with waffles. That is my favorite thing that on the menu. It's incredible. Thing. It's so good. Absolutely incredible. And we also at dinner time we are featuring game. So just in time for fall. So we have elk loin. We serve bison loin. We have duck. Uh, we have actually quite a few duck dishes. So we have a duck breast that we um, slice and do a little cherry sauce on top. And then we also have a duck carbonara that's got pulled duck thigh. And then we take that pulled duck thigh and we put it on a fig jam pizza as well. So Delicious. Yeah. Then I know that in the evenings in particular, every so often you've got, for example, Fridays, prime rib. and Prime rib every Friday. And that's... That's got a huge following now, yeah. which I'm I'm very proud of and happy about because that's what I'm mostly known for is my primary. Yeah, so that's kind of my specialty. Well, understood as to why. Yeah. And then we always tell people at lunch bunch because we, Taylor who takes care of us is just we love her to death. She does so incredible, so incredible in fact that we're trained now. And so people before or while she's getting drinks and they're like, well, what's this and that? We're able to you know tell them. Well, a let's bit. be and, honest. During happy hour, they don't come in to see you well, or me. They come in to see Taylor. It, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That that's definitely true. Um, and and lunch bunches as well. <laughs> and but I, I'm always on the the. Uh, the French dip sandwich, the Big John, right? Is oh, that, yeah, the yeah, Big John dip's classic. Yes. That, that'll that never go away. And that's, we always say, well, that's prime rib. That's prime, yeah. prime rib. We have another prime rib sandwich that we added, too, the the, the Scavuzzo Sammy, which is uh, the yes. cornbread jalapeno that is really uh, great. bread. And, and then we have um, the shaved prime rib and the roasted red pepper aioli on it. The yeah. BLT has a your Chef uh, BLT. Yes, and yeah. I did not, well, it was mentioned during a non-lunch bunch-related lunch. I had... One day I was there for lunch, Wednesday for lunch, bunch, Thursday and Friday as well for lunch, and uh, for, di- for different reasons. And uh, I had that, and it was noted that it's got your own personal favorite touch to it. Yes, uh, I don't – well, I love mayonnaise, mm-hmm. but mayonnaise on sandwiches, sometimes it get a little too heavy or too light mm-hmm. or not enough. So and being from Texas, my mom always made mine with pimento cheese. So it's got pimento cheese yeah. spread on each side of the sandwich, and then it's the bacon, lettuce, and tomato. It's Was that something – that I just am not familiar with, but it's done in certain regions, or was that your mom's personal? Maybe I don't know. I mean, I just assumed growing up in Texas when that I was, was a, a kid, and my mom doing it that it was a Texas thing. <laughs> maybe it's not. Maybe it is. I don't know. Could be a Georgia thing. I don't know. Uh, it, I I tried it because I tried to try everything on the menu, and I liked it a lot more than I thought that I would. I knew I would like it, but I get it's the balance of that sweet and the bacon, the salt. Yeah. This is so yeah. good. Yeah, pimento cheese is something that I could just eat my weight in. I don't know what it is about it, but it's one of my favorite things to eat. When I was a kid talking about how mom does things, and then you don't really know, wait a minute, was that her own thing or was that just a normal thing? And um, my mom, when we were growing up, she when she would make meatloaf, it was an old El Paso recipe of a Mexican oh, meatloaf. Nice. Yeah. And so it had... Um, like a fiesta style Mexican cheese melted over instead of ketchup. Okay. And I remember the first time that I saw meatloaf in what I guess was the normal way, and I was staying the night at a friend's house nearby. It was fourth grade. And they had the traditional sort of a red top ketchup or whatever it was on there. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that, well, I wonder why I do. Can they not afford cheese? Because in my head, <laughs> that's what meatloaf was, yeah. and I didn't know. And that's when you're a kid. That's your world. I, I didn't sure. realize that we were the ones that weren't having normal meatloaf. And not, you know, <laughs> yeah. so you never know. It could have been, yeah, ne- your I mom's mean, own personal recipe. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I just think my mom said if I put cheese on it, he'll eat it. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like, uh, Chef Tiny with us, Retro Metro. Anything else people need to be aware of? I, you do jazz a couple of right? So, yeah, we just started our retro jazz club nights. Uh, it's every first and third Friday of the month. That's so, awesome for us because yeah. we usually do happy hour the first Friday of the month. Right. And if people just stick around stick a couple around, hours yeah. longer. Right. We started at 8 p.m. It is a bit of a late start, yeah. but we wanted something that was going to kind of Keep people around. It gives them a little bit of a later evening option. Where's the setup? Where's so this? it's in the bar actually. It's, okay, you know the kind of sliding barn door that yep. allows you into the bar. So we just kind of close that a little bit, and they set up right there in the corner. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. And they have like a speaker that sits. That nice. The door doesn't shut all the way, okay. so that way the speaker can also get into the dining room too. And yeah, you know. well, that's great. Um, and especially because sometimes you do you want to drink, you want kind of quiet, but you would like a little bit of music, and there yeah. you have it. Yeah, absolutely. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, as always, we love it. Can't wait to see you. It's always fun. Uh, for a happy hour. You'll see me in a couple hours, yeah, too. See you in a couple hours. Noon. Be <laughs> yeah, there at noon. noon. Yeah. And, uh, and tell Taylor we'll see her as well. Yeah, I will. Okay. Sounds right. good. Chef Tiny, everyone. Retro Metro. Get signed up for Lunch Bunch at ksgf.com. And if you do win, then we'll get in touch with you. And then you get to bring five folks of your choosing along with Sarah and me for lunch on a Wednesday. And then, as, as uh, we talked about, we have our happy hour. That is not this, but the following Friday, and that's 4 to 6, where we just hang out, have drinks, have food, and just have a good time. It's one it of my favorite. It's, uh, largely, it's for selfish reasons. It's for me because I get a chance to actually hang out and, and talk with listeners. On Fridays, when we do the show at Scramblers, people come out, but I'm doing the show. Right. So I only have those commercial breaks. Plus, you don't get to have a cocktail. Either, right, yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't get to just knock them back one after another. Chef Tiny, Retro Metro, Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Hunting season is among us, friends. And if you are going to be out there this season and you are looking for a reputable gun shop, look no further than my friends at Quick Draw Gun in Monette. Now, Brad and his team, they can help you out with everything from an ammo restock to adding to your firearm collection. Or maybe you're like me and maybe you are just kind of looking around the world and thinking, you know, I want to better protect myself in case I'm ever in a situation where I need to. Uh, Brad and his team, they are great at helping you out with that as well. And uh, one of the things that I would like to mention about Brad and his team is whenever you go down there, if you are looking to purchase a new firearm and you're not exactly sure what you need, uh, they're going to listen to your wants, your needs, and they're going to help find a firearm that's going to work for you. And they're not going to try to sell you what they want to sell you. They're going to try to sell you something that is going to work for you. And I really appreciate that about them. So whatever your situation is, if you're needing new ammo, uh, maybe you're needing a new firearm, maybe you're looking to purchase your first gun, uh, Quick Draw Gun and Monet is the place to go. You can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. Blue State suspends basic skills, graduation requirement, again, citing harm to students of color. Now, a more insightful headline would be Democrats just give up on black kids. Because that's what this is. High schoolers in Oregon will no longer need to demonstrate basic competency in reading, writing, or math in order to graduate for at least five more years because according to education officials, such requirements are unnecessary and disproportionately harm students of color. 
Former Oregon gubernatorial candidate Christine Drazen told Fox News at some point our diploma is going to end up looking a lot more like a participation prize than an actual certificate that shows that someone actually is prepared to go out and pursue their best future. Well, really, it, now, th- there are a couple of questions that do get answered here. But number one is what's the point of school? It's obviously not to learn in a way that is beneficial for the student. At this point, there is no point going to school. Why bother? Or at the very least, why bother make it mandatory? I mean, if this is really going to be the approach that, well, for some students and the apparent racist view of the Democrat Party in Oregon, black kids aren't capable, not as smart as white kids, and so learning is something we should just give up on them. No longer test them, no point. But, of course, in the name of equity, we won't test anyone. We'll lower the bar for everyone. If that's the approach, why not just say, look, it's totally voluntary. And by the way, not only that, but because it is voluntary, any students that are a distraction towards those who do want to learn will not be invited back. You're gone. And just have it be voluntary and based off of an assessment that the student actually wants to learn. At least then, the students who do want to learn will not be drugged down by those who do not. Because that's what's happening. And, of course, this is the beauty of equity. Making everyone equally ignorant. Making all of the students equally behind the rest of the world when it comes to education. The racist aspect of this, it is... (laughs) To just openly say we're going to no longer require that students actually learn what we're teaching them because black kids aren't able to learn as well and as effectively as white kids are. That's what they're saying here. So we're just going to give up. Now, of course, they're. Not, this is just the brilliance of their absurdity. Does this mean that they're going to say, well, this clearly is a waste of money because we're recognizing, at least in their opinion, black kids aren't capable of learning like white kids. It's too hard for them. So we're not even going to bother testing them. We're not going to bother. We're not going to require that they actually learn. That's what they're saying. They will not have to demonstrate the very basic competency in reading, writing and math. No student will. Because of the black kids. But to just like give up, it is – some of the arguments that the Democrat Party uses regarding decisions making uh, – the decisions made that are uh, in the context of, of people of color are the same arguments that they used for slavery. One of the main arguments that they used, one of them, uh, when it came to – keeping slavery, is that black people weren't capable of living on their own. Black people weren't as smart as white people, and so it would be wrong and unfair to unleash them in a world that they can't 
even possibly begin to live in on their own because they don't have the same intellectual capabilities that white people do. That was an argument that the Democrats used in order to keep slavery in place. And it's the same argument that they're using now when it comes to removing standards in education. Well, black kids, you know, I mean, it's not fair to them to expect them to be on the same education level as white kids are. The d- demeaning, and this this really is the term racist, gets thrown around in ways in which it has lost all of its meaning. But this really is truly racist. The belief that by looking at you as a black person, I can identify you as incapable of being proficient in basic reading, writing, or math. So we're going to do away with the standards. If that isn't racist, I don't know what is. And the Democrat Party in this country taking that position about young black people and how they should be treated you know, differently because they don't have the same ability to demonstrate basic competency when it comes to math and reading and so forth. It was It's just as wrong for them to take that position today in education as it was wrong for them to take it as an argument whenever they were trying to keep slavery in place and arguing that black people cannot be treated like white people in terms of freedom. They cannot take care of themselves because they don't have the basic competency in reading and in writing or math, which of course wasn't true, but that's the position they took then. That's the position they take now. And amazingly enough, somehow, you have black leaders in this country tell, <clears throat> excuse me, black people that this is the party they're support, supposed to support. God forbid a black person wants school choice. It's probably best that the Democrats block school choice because it... <clears throat> It creates the unrealistic expectation that a black child actually has the ability to learn. The first alert forecast from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. 50% chance of rain throughout the day, otherwise mostly cloudy, high near 76. Tonight, scattered showers low around 64, 90% chance of showers with a high of 72 on Thursday and a 60% chance of showers in the morning on Friday, then partly sunny, a high near 77. We do have our Heroes Breakfast coming up. That is going to be for veterans this Friday. So if you are a veteran, um, just come by as we are doing our lunch live, or our lunch, sorry, thinking about Retro Metro, on the mind. We're doing the show live, and you're going to get free breakfast that thanks to Scramblers, to Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, Electrical, and Delta Roofing, Serenity Honors. And it's just uh, about a once-a-month thing that we do. We all get together and do free breakfast for veterans. That is on Republican National. If you've not been there before, it would be a great time for you to um, actually 
come out and get yourself free breakfast. If you have any questions regarding details, of course, uh, ksgf.com. Someone had texted in, and I responded to this person on the American Transmissions Talk and Text Line asking about the burbs. They're like, hey, what happened to the burbs info uh, for the, the private showing at Alamo Draft House, November 4th? Uh, that entry it, it was two weeks long, and your ability to enter uh, wrapped up on Friday. And so people who did win... If you haven't been contacted, I think yesterday Houston uh, had begun the process of both emailing and sending text messages in order to let you know that you did win. So uh, you will, if you haven't already been contacted, if you were a winner, then you will uh, be contacted by Houston. So uh, you know, if you do get a call and a voicemail from a number that you don't recognize or a text, I guess you'd see that automatically. But just be aware that that may be coming. Uh, are we are we good to go here? What's do we want to wait? Jennifer will be here in a little bit. Okay, so. well we can wait. We can wait. We're going to talk about symphony stuff coming up here, and and one half of the duo, of course, uh, we're accustomed to having Caitlin here, but uh, we'll we'll get some more. Um, support i guess with uh halloween stuff coming up and the latest with the springfield symphony but i did want to um share a new report with you regarding the cost of electric vehicles and just even the sticker price itself already most people recognize that it is out of the price range for average americans um and and certainly lower class americans but there is a, a cost beyond that. That is an actual, believe it or not, artificially low cost because of government involvement in that industry. And according to the numbers, there, and there was a, a sweeping first-of-its-kind analysis published by a think tank, Texas Public Policy Foundation. And what they found is that electric vehicles actually cost tens of, thou tens of thousands of dollars more per vehicle uh, when you account for the taxpayer-funded incentives that are worked into it. According to the report, with, which was authored by energy expert Jason Isaac, Brent Bennett, and Sid Lucas, the average model year 2021 EV would cost approximately $48,698 more to own over a 10-year period without the $22 billion in taxpayer-funded handouts that the government provides to electric car manufacturers and owners. The analysis factors in federal fuel efficiency programs, electric grid strain, and direct sales and federal subsidies. Now, I think what's stark about this number of the uh, 48698 isn't that that is the cost of the vehicle it is when you when you go to the lot and you look at the cost of an electric vehicle this is if you add it on the essentially $49,000 that's how much it's actually costing for that vehicle uh and let's not forget in addition to that the the companies are losing billions they actually lose thousands of dollars with every vehicle they sell so even with the additional $49,000 per vehicle and taxpayer dollars that go to subsidize it, the, the, the car manufacturers are still losing money. And, of course, it is what we've learned over time is not only not environmentally friendly, but in many ways worse for the environment because of the mining that has to be done for 
all of the materials that are primarily owned by China. So it makes us more, not less, reliable on foreign countries than the traditional gasoline and oil that we are accustomed to. So some of the areas that they, that they found here determined that because of um, the special multiplier that existed for more than two decades, they receive roughly seven times more credit under federal fuel efficiency programs than they provide in actual fuel economy benefits. That figure, the total regulatory credits from federal and state fuel efficiency and greenhouse gas emission standards amounts to an average of $27,881 per vehicle for the uh, the EV makers. Uh, further, the analysis calculated the socialized cost of charging stations straining on the electric grid amounts to an additional $11,833 per electric vehicle over 10 years. And those costs are shouldered, of course, by utility rate payers and taxpayers, many of which, the majority of which, of course, that at this point don't own electric vehicles. So whenever we talk about the cost and how already as it is, it's prohibitive. And some people argue, well, the you know, government should step in to this private industry and help make it more affordable. They already do to the tune of $49,000 per electric vehicle. Springfield's Talk 1041, the American Transmissions, talk at text line 447 KSGF. I'm Nick Reed. First alert forecast from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. 50% chance for rain throughout the day, otherwise mostly cloudy, a high near 76. Scattered showers, low around 64. I think I gave this earlier, but I'm doing it again. I was, I was thrown off on what break we were coming out of. Tomorrow, a 90% chance of showers with a high of 72. And back warmer again Friday, a high near 77 with a 60% chance of showers in the morning and then uh, partly sunny. <clears throat> uh, there is a, a story I want to share with you as we're probably going to be talking about some Halloween stuff here. Uh, superintendent cancels Halloween, bans costume in schools, citing DEI and potential harm to students' dignity. And this is in New Jersey. The school district canceled official school-wide Halloween celebration, citing cite, the reason that they're canceling it is diversity, equity, and inclusion values, and the purported potential for the festival to be offensive to people from various cultures and religious backgrounds. Well, of course. Now, I remember, and let me first say, I completely understand and respect that there are people who, uh, for religious reasons, do not participate in Halloween. I know this because as a kid who trick-or-treated myself, I remember that there were kids in, uh, and I remember there were two brothers, they were twins. I remember their names even. It was just really weird that I, from that far back, could remember such things. And that they, on the because of their religious beliefs, on days that we would dress up for Halloween at school, they just would not come to school that day. And they, the school gave them permission. It was an excused absence. No big deal. It was something that conflicted with their religious beliefs. And so, uh, and there were other holidays as well. And I think even the, saying the Pledge of Allegiance was something that was a violation of their, so it was no big deal. Uh, the parents talked to the school and they're like, yeah, that's cool. They just don't have to do it. And those days don't come to school. That's fine. No problem at all. That, that's sort of how things used to be dealt with. Everything wasn't some federal case as it is today. But I've noticed that, and this is what I think is interesting. And I would just ask us all to observe these things as we watch them play out that whenever there is some sort of change 
that is put in place, that is implemented in the name of inclusion, it almost always results in the exclusion of something. Have you noticed this? So, for example, when it, in the name of inclusion, they are going to exclude people who want to uh, celebrate Halloween or not even really necessarily celebrate it, but just, you know, have a good time and wear costumes and, you know, pass out candy or, or, or whatever it may be. We see this oftentimes um, when it comes to Valentine's Day as well and, and even outside of the schools. So often there is some sort of move that is made, a change that is made, an event that isn't going to take place, or certain people excluded in the name of exclusion. And we've we've seen it around here, certain like field trips and things in which only where a certain race of students is not allowed to participate and the event is an inclusion event. And I just find that very interesting that if you look at the actual actions and when there is some sort of event or change made in the name of inclusion, it usually is actually excluding people. And that seems a bit of ironic, doesn't it? Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. Hey, everyone. Springfield Symphony time. Caitlin with us, which always means Springfield Symphony. Jennifer, though. How are you? Oh, I, I should put your microphones on. Step one for me. <laughs> Uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while since I've I been know, here. I know, it has so. been a while. Yeah. I mean, it must be a super special event. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah, I know it is. Um, I, I think it was, well, I know it was last year. Uh, so I have a nephew who is autistic, and he's, I, mean, I know there's a medical um, uh, term that's used for, in you've got the whole sliding scale. But as I put it, you can tell. <laughs> I mean, if that makes sense, what well, would be considered severely autistic. And uh, last year, this was an event that my sister-in-law she had said, "Hey, we're going we're going to take him to this." They actually live in Joplin or Web City now, and um, weren't really sure how it would go. But he just loved it. I mean, loved it. So they're coming back this year for it. It's a real exciting event. Tell us about this. Not it's not I should specified for autistic kids, but um it's open for everyone, but I just thought I'd, you know, mention that. Yeah, so Spooky is our annual Halloween concert and we have um over 20 about 2300 people that are coming tomorrow and it is all Halloween spooky music. The orchestra does it. It's just a short concert for an hour. Lots of fun, good things planned. We've got um, a trunk or treat type of thing in the main area of the okay. hall so kids can come in. We've got a costume contest. In the past, we've done the costume parade across the stage. Right. But we have so many kids <laughs> that we were like, okay, we it took a really long time. So um, now we're just going to be judging in the lobby, and we'll have judges throughout. So okay. bring your best costume. All right. So uh, that will save some time, make it more efficient. Yeah, much more. <laughs> so a lot of people, I think, especially if they've not been to the symphony, they're like, man, symphony can be kind of boring. Kids, and you got sugar in them and everything. <laughs> Uh, my kid's not going to like this, but that's clearly not true. No, not at I all. I mean, at least yeah. for kids in general. I think it's great because we have a good mix of, um, you know, those like classical pieces mm -hmm. that you think of when you hear around Halloween time. But we also do like things from big hit movies 
or things like we know we're going to see some characters from movies and video mm-hmm. games and you might hear their music in this show as well right. so I'll get some really different perspectives and things of music that just hits for everybody can adults dress up yes and so we usually have adults will dress up the staff will mostly be dressed up as well the orchestra they dress up as well but um we have whole families that dress up um the same theme so like one year we had like a whole star wars family and um so it's a lot of fun to see everybody dress up you know i don't know if if if, if, i don't know i just hadn't noticed this or if i was accurate in understanding this and it was a couple years ago it seemed as if People were really stepping up their game with costumes. Like yeah. I would, we would do the trick or treating thing, or uh, which involved the kids. You know, in the particular neighborhood, all the parents would sit in one driveway while the kids would go out. So we had the opportunity to see adults and families. And I was thinking, did I just think that it waned and it's come back, or has it really come back to where? Maybe it was a COVID thing. People felt trapped, and they're like, "Let's take advantage. Let's get out and really renew this this Halloween thing and the the costumes." Because I just really there were there's been a lot more impressive costumes. It seems like with people, there's a lot more thematic stuff that yeah, happens. Yeah. You know, where people, um, you know, kind of come together and decide right. what they're going to dress up as together as a mm. family or a group of people. Yeah. I've seen that a lot more. I also think in it's, general too, uh, just because you know the nature of the social media boom we've had in the yeah. last couple of years is you're seeing a lot more people who are doing DIY stuff yeah, and true. you can get tutorials mm-hmm. to yeah. do basically yeah. make any costume you want. You can yeah. probably find it on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. Yeah. And so it's, it's more readily available that you can make your costume and make it your own. I think yeah. that's something that families do together or just people do together um, to, to express themselves and have fun and just get a little bit out of the way and make yourself happy with it. Yeah, I remember when Pinterest was really big, I remember a bunch of uh, tween girls dressed up as like the Starbucks cups. <laughs> and all I saw like one year were just Starbucks cups like everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Well, we were <laughs> prior to all of that limited to what was at the store mm-hmm. or our mom's imagination. I know when I was a kid, my, my mom, she did make our costumes, I think almost all the time. And they were, you know, really good. They weren't just tie-dye in a t-shirt or something it was actual costume design uh or you know you'd have all the bagged items it was the mask with that deadly elastic string on the back that could come out from under the staple at any time and just basically a garbage bag it seemed like with some sort of theme on it uh but yeah with with social media and and youtube and tiktok the it just expands those horizons makes it more fun and i think it makes it uh, more fun for people to hand out the candy too because I, I remember there was a period of time where you had some kids they wouldn't even dress up yeah they just wouldn't even dress it's like oh come on Aren't i don't they... mind you being older and trick-or-treating but you got to do something yeah in our neighborhood it's probably similar it, we sit in the with fire pits in the driveway yep, yep. um and we have just like a thousand trick-or-treaters mm. it's crazy but we also see the teenagers coming through and they do dress up now yeah they and do. i'm like they i'm do. happy to and hand I think that they have candy fun. to yes, them yes yeah. absolutely and the social component and everything i'm all for it 100 percent. i think there was a period of time where you sort of frowned on high school or kids doing it but now it's like hey out socializing they you know they dressed up this is really awesome this is cool so i support it too and we know they're not out now causing problems that's right at least at that very <laughs> moment for candy. at least at that very very moment right. they're not uh all right so again tomorrow is the event right tomorrow is the event and it is sold out okay so the tickets are free of course but mm-hmm. we opened up we open up registration for our free community 
community event one month prior. Okay. So just bear in mind, like our Christmas matinee, that will open up Got November it. 9th. Okay, so what is that going to be like? Let's just go ahead now. And... So we'll just you'll just go online, mm. watch our social media. That's where Caitlin mm. will post that the registration's open for the free tickets. Um, and then we just start placing mm. people. So it really is first come, first serve. And, and that the performance, though, is it somewhat interactive as well? Yeah, it's um, the shorter version of our Christmas subscription mm -hmm. performance. Um, it's all familiar Christmas holiday tunes. We have a sing-along um, towards the end. So it's very, it's a lot of, it's very family friendly. So we encourage right. families. If they didn't get to this one, to definitely come Got to it. the Christmas one. Yeah. All right, perfect. Sounds good. Well, it's great to see both of you. Thanks. All right, enjoy. And uh, are either of you dressing up Halloween or for the event? Fortunately, the costume shop for the theater department is downstairs at our building. Oh, so I man. usually run down there about Cheaters. 2 o'clock. Yes. Yeah. I'm still deciding no what I'm going to be okay. this year, so we'll see. All right. Well, Sarah, her whole family's theming it this year, and she's dogging me because I'm not. I know. I wanted you to be a part of it, but, you know, of course. Yeah. Oh. You're lame. Yeah, I'm going to look for true. pictures. Yeah. This is true. I am lame. All right. Jennifer Caitlin, thank you as always. Great pleasure. Springfield Symphony. Thank you. Thank you, you bet. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no. I want a great homeloan.com for all of your home loan needs. Interest rates are too high. Planning on buying, need to buy, not going to buy, we're going to wait. Is that the right decision for you? Don't make that decision until you have all the information from the character crew and team at IWantAGreatHomeLoan.com because your situation uh, may be one in which it does make sense now. And as they say... You marry the house, not your interest rate. So even if you um, have an interest rate and that, that deal at you know, eight and a half, seven, whatever the percentage is, when those rates come down, you can refinance at a lower rate. I want a great home loan.com because you do. I had mentioned earlier in the program that with great excitement, the media is once again trotting out the walls are closing in on Trump with this uh, with these stories of Mark Meadows according to ABC News Mark Meadows he's turned against Trump and he's finally confessing that this was all a conspiracy everyone involved not only knew that there were no election irregularities whatsoever but it was the most secure election we've ever had in history Catherine Herridge posted a quote from Meadows' attorney saying, we told them that this story, that this, this information is not true. It's not accurate. But they went ahead and printed it anyway. Well, of course they did. You know, this is the same media culture that when Hamas tells them, <laughs> A storyline when Hamas they'll listen to Hamas and craft a story, but whenever you know somebody in Trump's orbit says uh, actually that's factually inaccurate, they're like you know what we're gonna go with it anyway. <laughs> we don't trust you as a source. They'll trust Hamas over anyone in Trump world, just to give you a sense of where their mindset is. 
The Federalist has a piece titled Sidney Powell's Plea Proves Fulton County DA Went Nuclear to Get Trump. And what they're noting here, and we're watching this come into play, oh, you got uh, defendant after defendant after defendant, and they're all uh, they pleading guilty. And what they, what's happening here is they are taking these criminal charges that are massive, one after another, after another, after another, serious felonies, including RICO conspiracy counts and conspiracy to commit election fraud, things that could put you away for the rest of your life, and making them all go away if they agree to make it appear as if Trump knew that all of this was a farce and just essentially having them plead guilty to nothing. And what's being recognized here is that they are threatening these people to destroy their lives and ruin their lives, even, you know, whether they're guilty or not is irrelevant because they can destroy them financially. And they're saying, if you buckle under and say what we want, then we'll let off of you. And that is, that, that's, that's what's happening here. The un- There's many unfortunate components to this, but one is that entire concept that we have, you know, you hear the Miranda rights and you have the right to remain silent. All of that exists because of the concept that we as American citizens cannot be compelled to admit to something that, that we didn't do because of fear of government repercussions. And what we're seeing here is that's irrelevant. The right to not self-incriminate oneself has been made irrelevant by these prosecutors, which seem to all be left wing, that will threaten to absolutely destroy you financially and come after your family unless you implicate yourself in something that they can then use against someone else that they're targeting. So for all intents and purposes, particularly if you are somebody that's not of the left, that right to not self-incriminate is irrelevant in this country. Springfield's Talk 1041, Glenn Beck's next.